Hi, this is Gary DiPiano, and you're listening to Love Mia Vita podcast. Today, our conversation is with Dr. Anthony Benedetto, a professor of dermatology and the leader of Benedetto Dermatology, a fabulous practice in the suburbs and in Center City, Philadelphia. And Dr. Benedetto is going to share with us some of his expertise on how to give your skin tender, loving care beginning in your 20s and 30s and 40s and beyond. So we're gonna cover a lot of territory and I know Dr. Benedetto's tips and advice are gonna be extremely ex helpful to you as you think through your skin journey. So Dr. Benedetto, um, let's start with your background, which is quite impressive. Well, hi, Jerry. Thank you for the invitation and it's a pleasure to be here with you on your podcast and your program. Um, I am uh, originally from Philadelphia, um, went to college at St. Joe's, then went to Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine for medical school, then went off to Cleveland for a few years, did my internship residency at the Cleveland Clinic, and my fellowship in Mohs surgery, which is a specialized surgical procedure for treating skin cancer. Then I returned to Philadelphia, started a practice, started two surgical centers and uh, started a fellowship in Mohs surgery. And I've been here since the late seventies and I'm still um, fighting and, and going along with uh, COVID and seeing patients. I'm a professor at University of Pennsylvania at the Perelman School of Medicine. And uh, it's a pleasure to treat residents and interns and medical students and all kinds of students that come by here. So when you contacted me to discuss uh, how women should take care of their skin. It's, uh, it was interesting for me to accept and I would invite any of your questions and uh, let's see what we can come up with tonight. Well, thanks, Dr. Benedetto. You know, as, um, as I, I was thinking about my own uh, journey, uh, skin journey, I was thinking about the advice my old Italian mother gave me. She said, never expose your skin to the sun. And thinking about um, the fact that we, you know, my grandmother would carry an umbrella, parasol, around with her and or wear a very large hat. So she protected her skin. And I remembered, I remember thinking that as I lay on a reflective mat <laughs> bathed in, in olive oil. <laughs> good news is, um, I, so far, the skin has been in good shape. But when we when we think about our twenty year old selves, um, what let's let's talk about what twenty year olds should be thinking about in terms of their skin and skin care, and then we can progress into some of the changes that happen in our thirties, forties, fifties, and and beyond that. Because what we do as young people does have an impact on what happens to us as we age, and you know better than I do because you've seen many, many, many cases. Yes. So uh, I think uh, the starting point should be, uh, we all should be aware that our bodies, our skin, are uh, they're reflective of our genetics. So there is a lot of things that people say to do, but those things are not, um, say, specific for each individual and not everything that anyone says uh, goes for everyone so depending on your complexion uh, sounds like uh, 
uh, your grandmother and mother or whatever were from southern Italy because you said you were Italian skin and yes. so there's a lot of sun there so they <laughs> wanted to protect themselves from the sun and that's the most important thing I think that was the best advice your grandmother could have ever given you um, it is the sun damage that will accumulate over the years as you continue to expose yourself and exposing could be just going to the grocery store and not wearing any protective uh, clothing a hat or sunscreen and uh, do that a million times uh, by before you're 40 uh, and you'll have some sun damage. Now, if you're in your, if you're in your 20s and, uh, and, and let's say in your 30s and you know that you have, um, you have this fair skin and you start to see that you have freckles or blemishes, um, is, is, it too, uh, is it too early to go and have a skin check? What are, the, uh, what are the, the processes that one ought to be thinking about in order to be vigilant about changes in your skin? So you know we're skin cancer specialists. Uh, I practice with my brother and, uh, and we uh, do surgery for skin cancer. Um, so again, genetics, if you come from uh, a family that has had various types of skin cancers, um, then it's not too early to uh, be examined and you say have a skin check. And we do practically every patient that comes through our front door, uh, we do body checks. We call it complete body check for skin cancer. In particular, if someone who has a family member, and that could be a brother, a parent, or a, uh, an aunt or uncle, second generation uh, cousin, if they have had melanoma or atypical moles, uh, dangerous moles, especially if they've had a melanoma. Melanomas are uh, pigmented uh, lesions, flat marks on the skin that are cancerous and that have a propensity to spread internally. And if not uh, identified and treated early on, they will continue and metastasize throughout the skin, invading different organs of the body. If you come from a family with that kind of background and history, uh, it's never too early to have a complete body exam. And we have many patients whose mom or dad or uh, close relative have, have had uh, melanoma and they know as siblings and children um, to come in and have their body examined. And so, there is uh, the uh, occasion where it's handed down at an early age, that the skin cancer. Early. So it's not too early to, um, to be thinking about that, particularly if you've had family history and or if you have anything that looks kind of suspicious um, and we, you know, we, we think about our 20s as we're pretty invulnerable, but we really need to be protecting our skin and making sure that we take the appropriate uh, measures to see someone with your expertise. Uh, just to add to that, it's interesting to hear patients when they come, um, because now they're forced either by a spouse or a family member that they have this lesion on their back, uh, you know, on their hand, on their face. Um, and they come in and say, you know, my uh, grandmother had one and my mother and, you know, this is a mark that uh, sort of identifies us as family members and I don't want to have anything done to it. And um, many times these are lesions that are dangerous that need to be removed. So um, 
even if you're born with a mark, it's the a lot of these congenital or you know born with lesions uh, can convert and transform into a dangerous uh, skin cancer. So A is for asymmetry. So if you see a lesion that looks or should be round, that's a uh, a mole, but it has a little outcropping croppings that's asymmetrical. B is the border that's irregular. It looks scalloped or it's not a sharp delineated lesion. Uh, C is the color. The color uh, means a lot. It could be uh, pink. It could be brown. It could be uh, dark, even black. So color, especially in uh, a lesion, if it has different colors, multiple colors, that's very suspicious, even if it's smaller. Um, D is the diameter after it's about, uh, um, let's see, 16th of an inch, uh, an eighth of an inch. Um, then if it has those other characteristics, it should be examined. And then E, if it's changing, evolving. Um, uh, you know, last year it had just one color. This year it has uh, two colors and it has a, you know, irregular outline. So those are the A, B, C, D, E's of melanoma. So those are, that's important for us to remember. So, you know, as, as a reminder, even if your nonna um, had that funny little liver spot, that funny little liver spot that, you know, is really weird looking because it looked like a liver and it's, you know, a little bit darker and there are certain areas of it that might be even darker. So light brown to dark brown to red, perhaps good idea to have that checked out. And if you're 20 years old, better to have it investigated early on and watched than to wait until things may progress. So if uh, you- but let, me, let me add something, not necessarily watched, removed. You know, 20 year olds are, you know, very uh, cognizant of having scars and no matter where they are, don't worry about it. If it has, if it looks suspicious, the doctor says it looks suspicious, especially a dermatologist, don't resist the treatment. Get it removed and analyzed. So, so this is, um, this is good advice when you're, when you're in at any age, but the earlier we catch these types of problems, the better the prognosis, I would imagine and the more the life-saving event it becomes. So let's say that, that you don't have these suspicious lesions um, and you're one of these lucky individuals that just you know has, has some good skin. And what, what do you recommend that 20s and 30-somethings do um, to take care of their skin, to protect their skin? And we could start with you know, what's, what's good skin care? Um, are there procedures that young women ought to be thinking about? Um, I know that we often hear that young 20s and 30-somethings are looking at things like fillers and Botox and, you know, thoughts on that? Okay, so I'm That's a minimalist. <laughs> I'm a minimalist when it comes to treating young, beautiful women and men uh, with cosmetic procedures. 30-year-olds, unless you have a serious genetic problem or, a, you know, a, a, some sort of scar or whatever, most women and men are very pretty and very naturally attractive in their own way. And uh, for me, and when patients do come to me, and especially younger patients, unless they have a really obvious wrinkle that uh, should 
and detracts from their overall appearance and should not be there, I don't recommend any sort of Botox or, or filler. Um, you know, the message is you're pretty and attractive in your own right. You know, with time, sun exposure, uh, other kinds of, uh, you know, things that occur as we age, um, then you can start doing things. And maybe in your late 30s or 40s, or even in, you can wait until you're 50 before you really need to start doing a lot of these overly exaggerated procedures that really are not necessary. Uh, say for someone who is in their 20s and 30s and works construction and they're outdoors all day long. And so they're in the elements. They have all the sun exposure, wind exposure, or they have a boat and they're living on their boat all summer and all, you know, uh, six months out of the year. Or, you know, they like to fish, but it's the exposure to the sun and the wind and the elements that then dries the skin and turns it uh, into a wrinkled, aged uh, situation. For those who have normal uh, indoor living with an occasional vacation time, their skin is uh, enough. It's naturally beautiful and naturally um, uh, moisturized uh, by itself. And as long as your skin is not dried out and wrinkled, you really don't need a lot of these procedures. But, um, you know, I am an expert in how to use botulinum toxin or Botox. So I have patients coming to me for all reasons, like cosmetic reasons and therapeutic reasons, like migraine headaches and um, spasms of the face and the eyes. So I, I do a lot of different treatments with Botox, but unless, you know, it's for a very specific reason, I think 20 year olds should just uh, stop looking closely in the mirror and enjoy life and don't bother about, because they are naturally beautiful. They really are. I have never seen an ugly child in my life. Oh, that's very, that's very nice of you to say that. And I'm sure that our listeners would appreciate that whether they are 20 or they have 20 year old children, they, yeah. they appreciate that. You know, we we tend to see that um, we're objectified, and you know, young uh, men and women often see um, actors and actresses and uh, members of you know the uh, the you know the the Hollywood group of uh, you know actors and and uh, so forth, and and they feel that they ought to look like someone that has been heavily made up or heavily enhanced. And so it's great to hear that, um, that we ought to just love our natural selves. Are there things- let me just, I want to just add to that. Um, what you said, they noticed that they've been made up. But, they, you know, leave it alone. You know, you don't need to look made up. You don't need to look like you have um, someone putting uh, an air tube in your lips to, to expand them. You know, uh, natural symmetry of the face should be left alone until there is some change. So you're right. There, a, a lot of times we can tell someone who's had something done because it's obviously not right. It, it's distortion. And um, that's why I, I tell patients when they come in, you know, unless they really have a, a congenital problem and they have, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, there are defects in, in your overall appearance of someone because they were born that way. I, I, you know, 20, 30, 40 of the girls, I, 
I say, you know, um, stay out of the sun, moisturize your skin with uh, mild uh, products and enjoy life uh, and your appearance without trying to um, change it because that's not really you. And when we think about um, how you care for your skin in terms of diet and nutrition, um, any advice for our listeners on, you know, what are what we should be thinking about from the standpoint of diet and nutrition and hydration? So diet and nutrition is very important for the overall um, uh, health of anyone. Uh, so fruits and vegetables, protein, uh, careful of carbohydrates and sugars. Uh, you don't want to uh, put yourself in a position to lead up to uh, diabetes, excess sugar in the blood, especially if you have a family history of diabetes you, as you age or you don't even need to uh, be older to develop diabetes. And there are many different reasons and ways people do develop diabetes. So control your sugar content or candy and cakes and whatever, but fresh fruits and vegetables and protein anytime you have a meal is the best way to uh, have a diet and uh, uh, eat. I'm trying to get another word for eating, but you know, this is, you eat healthily, your body will remain healthy. Now, all that um, uh, nutrition, does it come out onto the skin? Um, yes and no. If you have a diet that's deficient in certain vitamins, it will show up in the skin. Um, if you have a diet that's deficient in certain um, minerals, uh, it will eventually uh, be uh, portrayed on the skin. But a regular diet, so someone who just eats, say, um, trying to think crackers and, and water, I mean, you're not getting, you know, the green vegetables and all the minerals and uh, uh, amino acids and proteins that you need. You have to have a varied diet. You have a normal varied diet with fresh fruits and vegetables and protein, then uh, your skin will reflect it. But to say, I'm going to eat a certain product and that's all I'm going to eat, um, it's not going to automatically uh, embellish your skin and create a different uh, uh, appearance to your skin. And what about the notion that uh, there, as, as you well know, there are numerous hair, skin, nails products that are out on the market that are, they're supplements. Supplement, the reason they're called supplements is because they supplement what we eat on a regular basis, efficient in any of those areas that you mentioned, whether it's the fruits, the vegetables, if you're missing folates in your diet, for example, supplementation is really meant to replace, at least attempt to replace what you're missing in terms of your consumption of all of the appropriate minerals, vitamins that you would otherwise derive from the good foods that you eat, good foods. Let's hope that they're good foods, right? right. So eliminating sugar. Um, I'm assuming that, you know, there are people here that are listening to the podcast that um, may drink alcohol. Um, 
And you want me to comment? So a little, a little bit of alcohol. Is, <laughs> a glass of red wine with reservatrol is. Yes, a little bit is fine. A lot may not be so fine. So that's part. You you get some of your uh, nourishment from alcohol, or you know the beverage that you're drinking. But we're not talking about a a pint. We're talking about a few ounces with your meal, rather than a sugary drink. Um, carbonated uh, soda. I think uh, in reality, for an adult, um, you know, four ounces of a red wine or a white wine uh, may be more nutritious than a glass of uh, uh, soda, carbonated soda. So the so again, in moderation, in moderation, um, there are, you know, we know that there are some benefits to red wine consumption, even white wine consumption. And so that's, you know, again, moderation, adding to the armamentarium of tools that, you know, we derive from our food. We, we, can, we can say to our listeners that it's probably not gonna have the deleterious impact on your skin unless you overindulge. So if you're, you're having a three martini lunch, it may be time to think things through a little bit more so because alcohol will dry and alcohol is obviously can certainly cause other problems, which we will not discuss during the podcast, but um, in moderation, there may be some, some benefits to that. What about water? We, we often hear that we need to um, up our water consumption and we want to make sure that we, you know, in some cases, we've heard that it's eight glasses of water a day, so 64 ounces. Obviously, there are some misconceptions about that, but what about drinking and drinking water and hydrating with, um, with things of that nature during the course of the day? So during the course of the day, I agree with you with hydration and uh, drinking a certain amount to make sure your kidneys are functioning. Um, for people who have a tendency to have kidney stones, uh, that's important that they watch their diet and drink a sufficient amount of water or fluid uh, to prevent those kinds of uh, problems. Um, and depending on your body mass, how tall, how short, uh, how much you weigh, uh, then you can understand how much water that you should be drinking during the day. But it is important that you do drink uh, water, uh, you know, to not drink uh, the entire day or maybe uh, half a glass of water that may not be good for your kidneys and the rest of your organs uh, to have them function well. And of course, as we were talking, I'm, yeah, I know, you I'm, sipping, my, I'm sipping my third. No, that's what I want to do too. <laughs> it's 48 ounces today, so I'm sure not my water for today. What about the topicals? So we, um, as you know, we, um, we developed a, um, a product that contains hyaluronic and vitamin E and, and we apply it to the mucosal, to mucosal skin. Um, and it's believed to be a powerhouse that can change the, um, both the feel and the, also protect um, those mucosal surfaces. And obviously women use it on their faces as well. They use topicals with HA on their skin. Thoughts about that? So uh, I have some thoughts that I'm going to ask you, but that's fine. It's, uh, it's in a form like an oil in water form. 
and it's applied topically and it remains topically. Now, does it get absorbed? Well, it will through the mucosa, does get absorbed and how much does it get incorporated in the tissue? Um, does it stay on the surface of the uh, mucosa or on the skin or does it get absorbed and, and, man, and metabolized? And if it gets metabolized, you know, is it getting incorporated in the mucous glands of the mucosa? Um, how does that work? That's a question I'm going to ask you. So in, at least in, in the case of our products, it's designed not to be systemically absorbed. It's designed to remain topically, to do its work topically. And that's really the beauty of it. So it, it's really designed to hydrate that area without seeing the systemic absorption. And that's why it's, we call it targeted regional delivery. <laughs> So changing, changing a little bit. So you, so you're now, you've now hit that fifth or sixth decade and you're starting to see a little bit of the, uh, your jowly or you have some lines and you have some nasolabial folds. There's things that are around your nose and mouth and looks like you're scowling. Um, thoughts on that? You know, we're, we, you know, we all want the fountain of youth these days, right? Again, it's manufactured by Hollywood, as stated earlier. Um, we don't look like that. Um, some of the wrinkles were earned. And, you know, as my grandmother said, um, I earned every one of these smile lines and I am so grateful for it, right? And she's still smiling, right? That's right. You keep, That's you keep moving those facial muscles and they will, like you would, crease leather or paper, the more you do it in the same fashion, the same direction, the deeper the crease. So with age and uh, time, um, the thickness, the fullness of the soft tissue of the skin begins to diminish. Um, bone structure uh, shrinks, uh, muscles um, start to either weaken or uh, form and, and contract in a certain way and the fat of underneath the skin, the supportive tissue underneath the skin starts to drop from the upper part of the face in the middle of your cheeks. And then it, just with gravity and the force of the muscle movement brings all this soft tissue, not all, but a lot of the soft tissue down uh, along the jawline. Uh, men and women develop jowls their face begins to change. And it changes from sort of a heart-shaped appearance to a upside down pear, where you know the, the fullness is in the lower part of the face instead of being in the upper part of the face. So yes, I mean, um, and nowadays, uh, you know, it's very important for us to look as young as we possibly can. And if you look at pictures from uh, what we used to look like in our 20s and compare, look in a mirror, if you're in your 50s or 60s, you can see that change. You can see that shift in soft tissue. So uh, what we try to do is to bring some of that soft tissue fullness back to the upper and mid face. And we're, we try with botulinum toxin for Botox uh, to stop those muscles from increasing consistently 
um, uh, and relax those muscles. And by relaxing those muscles, they will relax the wrinkles in the skin. So that scowling, you know, some people, when they're thinking, they bring their eyebrows together because they're thinking. But people watching them think, oh boy, they're angry. They're angry at me. You know, if you're at the counter and trying to calculate how much change you're going to get and you're really thinking hard and you bring your eyebrows together, the cashier that's looking in front of you think maybe, you know, maybe she's angry because she spent so much money. You know, it's those kinds of things that occur on a daily basis. But it's those repeated movements of facial muscles that create the wrinkles along with the sunning, uh, you know, the exposure to the sun, the thinning of the skin, because the sun will destroy the, the, the plumpness of your tissue, of your skin. And so then it becomes thin and wrinkled. And with the muscles that are getting stronger when you frown uh, and the excess skin uh, will create those wrinkles over and over again, that sometimes they become very permanent, but can be relieved with injections of Botox, Prashalina and in between then, and in between those procedures, we need to remember to drink our water, occasionally have our wine if, if wine is your thing, and make sure that you have proper nutrition. So you, you can't expect the supplement to do the job for you. You've got, in between those procedures, you've got to follow all of your the recommendations that you and I discussed early on in this podcast, which is really good advice. But if you're one of those listeners that, that you know, has the scowl line, has the eyebrows that knit together, or you've spent most of your life smiling, hopefully you were one of those persons that spent most of your life smiling. But if you have those um, lines around your mouth and your nose, you know, be proud of them, but you might want to get rid of them too. And you know, there are opportunities to do that. Um, and I think you just outlined what those are. Have you seen um, an increase in the number of procedures uh, over the years that you've been practicing as a, as a dermatologist? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, when I first started practice, uh, you know, patients were more concerned with treating the rash that they developed and possibly the skin cancer. Back in the uh, 70s, skin cancer wasn't on everyone's mind. Uh, with time and additional uh, leisure time and exposure in the sun, uh, skin cancers became uh, more obvious. Uh, but I think dermatologists and doctors were becoming more aware that they should be looking out for these changes. Along with those changes, again, because of the media and, and Hollywood and the hype, um, softer, smoother skin, less wrinkled skin, younger skin. I guess the old standard uh, actors and actresses, uh, as they became, as they aged, they wanted to remain the way they used to look. And so they sought uh, different procedures and patients are doing the same thing. So the age of lasers developed in, uh, in the 1990s and lasers went from uh, resurfacing uh, sort of like a burning of the surface of the skin to hair removal, um, to color uh, changes, to tattoo removal. Uh, we used to burn the tattoos or, or really scrape tattoos to get rid of them. Now we use a laser that is non-destructive to the surface of the skin, but yet it eliminates uh, color underneath the skin. The flushing 
of rosacea and the red-faced person had no um, alternative but to live with what they have. Now we have different lasers that can eliminate the redness and flushing um, of uh, what they have. The port wine stains, those big purple marks on patients' faces. Um, before the 1990s, there was no treatment for them uh, except to maybe excise, but you don't excise anything like that. So yes, over the years, since the 1990s, I would say, um, the cosmetic uh, angle or a cosmetic aspect of dermatology has uh, grown exponentially with all the different lasers that we have. Um, and it's really remarkable that uh, now um, uh, even treating muscles, body muscles to make them nice and tight so you look muscular with different lasers, uh, removing fat, you know, freezing or heating up fat, uh, the tissue around uh, the body to reduce that uh, excessiveness. I mean, we had none of this before the uh, 2000s. So yes, uh, dermatology has changed. Uh, medicine has changed. People's outlook on life has changed. They want to remain younger and more vibrant. And uh, we have some of the tools to make that happen. So this is this is really driven uh, largely by probably members of my generation and maybe a generation younger than me, um, who you know again bought into um, you know we were well educated, we've worked hard, we you know we we really want to maintain that youthfulness. So it's great to know that we have options, but most importantly is what. I believe we heard, our listeners heard in the beginning of your conversation, which is really being satisfied in, with who you are um, and how you are and your beautiful appearance. And if you're 20, in your 20s and 30s um, and you are lucky enough that your genes um, have given you good skin, you can protect that skin in a number of ways. Um, if you're not, if genetically you may be predisposed to certain skin malignancies, always good to see a dermatologist, take whatever necessary actions there may be. But procedurally, 20s and 30s may be a little premature to be thinking about augmenting and changing and filling. But if that's your thing, we know that the you know practice of dermatology has evolved and there are experts like you that can keep us safe if that's what we choose to do when we're younger. And as we mature, there are also great resources like you who will think about a natural way to enhance what we already have in our beautiful faces and our bodies. So that's very nicely uh, summarized. That's exactly <laughs> how I feel and it's perfect. Uh, it's a good message for the young people and a good message for those that are not so young. <laughs> well, you you did an outstanding job of sharing with our listeners um, the message, uh, which is really an uplifting message. And that's what we, we hope to impart to those who love Mia Vita. There's a reason that we call this the Love Mia Vita podcast, Love Your Life. And um, if you're fortunate enough to be, uh, be able to live a long and beautiful life that you, know, you, should, be, you should be happy and comfortable in your skin. That's right. <laughs> your skin. 
And I love being here with you because I'm glad we had that message out to your listeners. And thank you very much for the invitation. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Benedetto. So listeners, that was the Love Me Evita podcast with Dr. Anthony Benedetto, who is uh, leading the two practices of Benedetto Dermatology, professor of dermatology at the University of Pennsylvania. Dr. Benedetto, thank you once again. And we are so thrilled to have you as our guest and we'll look forward to the next time. Yes, thank you. 